财富自由，富是父亲的富。两个中年爸爸闲聊美股、流行，另类育儿经。财富自由想象是百灵果跟古玩的结合。告诉你谁是 Magnificent Seven 科技七五四？你该买瘦瘦比双巨头吗？从马斯克到泰勒斯，从华尔街到好莱坞，我们都追得上。新的一年听新的 Podcast， 让我们一起财富自由。富是父亲的富哦。Global Voices on Taiwan. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Global Voices on Taiwan. I'm Rath Wang, a news producer and host. Subbing in for Vincent today is Eating. Hello, I'm Yiting from Lighting's campaign office.、Um, today, we will be exploring with you how the latest world events impact Taiwan and how this island nation shakes the globe. We hope the podcast can be your window to Taiwan's global perspectives. Joining us today from Tokyo is Stephen Nagy, fellow at the Japan Institute for International Affairs and the Canadian Global Affairs Institute. Professor Nagy also teaches politics and international affairs. At Japan's International Christian University, he's just one of the many experts, journalists, and policymakers on our podcast. One watershed moment we've recently seen is the joint statement in support of Taiwan at Camp David. Japan's Prime Minister Kishida, South Korea's President Yoon, and U.S. President Biden publicly said, "Quote: Peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait is indispensable." To the security and prosperity of the international community, how significant is this statement, Professor? I think when we think about the joint statement at the Camp David summit between、um, the South Koreans and Japanese and the United States、uh, on Taiwan, it's a reflection of the importance、uh, that Taiwan fills within the sea lines of communication. About 5.5 trillion U.S. dollars of trade、um, go through the South China Sea and in and around the Taiwan Strait,、um, which means that if there was a Military conflict or some kind of、um, accidental conflict in and around these straits, it would fundamentally disrupt global trade、uh, and the flow of energy exports into、um, the second largest economy, the third largest economy, and the tenth largest economy,、uh, South Korea. So it's really critical that、um, this region、uh, and the waters in and around Taiwan remain stable,、uh, they remain peaceful, and they remain regulated by international law. Do you feel that we'll see more of these statements coming, as we've seen? Countries from in NATO and outside of NATO talk about Taiwan and about peace in the Taiwan Straits. Absolutely, and I think that we started to see these statements、uh, when the late Prime Minister Shinzo Abe、um, stepped down from his premiership, and then we saw his、uh, predecessor, Prime Minister Suga, visit Washington and have a summit with、uh, President Biden, and they included a statement about peace and stability across the Taiwan Straits. Since that time, we've seen、uh, Taiwan. The front and center of a NATO statement, of a G7 statement.、Um, we've seen the Quad、uh, summit also talk about the importance of Taiwan, and most recently,、um, and I think surprisingly, is South Korea has unilaterally talked about the importance of、uh, peace and stability across the Taiwan Straits. And as you mentioned, the Camp David summit reiterated、um, the importance that Taiwan is in terms of the region's broader、um, uh, economic stability. But really, thinking about、um, what happens in Taiwan matters to、um, not only the region but the global economy, and I think this is why we'll continue.
just see more uh, of Taiwan in international and multilateral statements because there's a recognition that the current actions by uh, Beijing uh, to um, whether it's military exercises or it's it's threats across the Taiwan Straits really could be uh, an extremely disruptive force on the global economy. Touching further on this milestone, what has brought Japan and South Korea together, despite so much animosity towards their historical grievances and disagreements? Well, I think it's important for us to recognize that South Korea and Japan um, and their citizens, uh, they generally like each other. Um, but on issues of history, there are some serious challenges. And of course, our, our South Korean friends still um, are seeking um, some uh, financial uh, compensation for forced labor by the Japanese during its imperial period. And there's also discussions about uh, the comfort from the issue and how this could be dealt with in a more adept way by the Japanese. But that being said, I think under um, President Yoon's leadership, um, he has understood the importance of the bilateral relationship between Ch Japan and South Korea, uh, understands the importance of strengthening the trilateral relationship with the United States as well. And they have uh, converged in terms of their concerns about um, China's assertive behavior in the region broadly, um, but some of its uh, track record of economic coercion. And of course, South Korea experienced economic coercion in 2017 after the release of the Fukushima treated water from Fukushima, um, we've seen bullying, economic coercion, um, even racialized um, abuse against the Japanese following the release of the treated um, water from Fukushima. So these countries are understanding that their neighbor is an important economic opportunity, but it's a sort of behavior, it's um, efforts to revise the regional security structure, and its behavior towards Taiwan are fundamentally destabilizing and not in the interests of Japan or South Korea, um, pushing them together rather than driving them apart. So you probably agree that it is China's aggression bringing like-minded democracies together in a way that we've never seen before, right? Is this reassuring for Taiwan, given that it abides with the international rules-based order? I think importantly, it's not just democracies that are concerned about um, this assertive behavior of Vietnam. Um, Malaysia, the Philippines, Indonesia um, are also concerned about Chinese behavior. And um, I think that we see other countries outside the region also looking at Chinese assertive behavior within the region as fundamentally destabilizing, fundamentally against the rules-based order that has brought peace and stability and prosperity since um, the end of World War II. And again, they're looking at Taiwan and seeing it really as um, a canary in the coal mine. If something happens to Taiwan, what will be the fundamental consequences, uh, the cascade of negative effects on the broader region? And I think in this sense, uh, Taiwan has become an important uh, part of many countries' uh, foreign policy and how they think about the Indo-Pacific region. Professor, you mentioned earlier the economic significance of Taiwan. Um, we've seen Japan and Taiwan boost economic ties and TSMC is on its way to build a second semiconductor fab um, in Japan, while its first is almost operating and running. How significant is Taiwan to Japan's economy? As Japan thinks about Taiwan, it's thinking about its position with the sea lines of communication that I mentioned earlier, uh, in that if there was a kinetic conflict, if it's a military conflict or some kind of accidental conflict uh, in the Straits or in and around Taiwan, 
with a disrupt sea lines of communication and the import of exports of goods into Japan, not to mention energy resources. So Taiwan has a really, really important uh, uh, part of the Japanese economy. Um, second, of course, is this technology uh, and the complementariness of many aspects of the Taiwanese economy with the Japanese economy. Uh, the Japan worries about, um, again, what, what could potentially happen if there was a forced reunification, what that would mean for products such as semiconductors that are produced by the Taiwanese semiconductor manufacturing company. Um, would they be disrupted? Would they be weaponized? Would they be uh, monopolized by the Chinese government, fundamentally affecting the signature industries of Japan? Remember, um, Toyota, Suzuki, Honda, um, many of the uh, parts that go into um, uh, phones and computers and other electronics um, do have these semiconductors that are made in Taiwan, but in Japanese products. So there's a real view that um, if something were to happen to Taiwan, it would fundamentally affect the Japanese economy in, in a negative way. And lastly, Japan has very, very close people-to-people -people relations, uh, historical relations, and cultural relations uh, with the Taiwanese people, um, which they value, they want to protect, and they want to uh, maintain uh, moving forward. Going back to the economy, um, um, Japan and even the Netherlands, um, there might have been sort of um, a bit of long discussions with the U.S. in terms of de-risking, but we've ha seen that happen. Um, and um, do you feel with this trend led by the U.S., will Taiwan play a greater role in the context of Japan or, or even North America with Canada or even the EU? Well, the broader trend, Raph, is that countries, again, are recognizing that Taiwan is a really, really important part of the stability and peace across the region. And what happens to Taiwan matters. They also see Taiwan as a global public good. And what I mean by that is that uh, Taiwan is not only producing those uh, critical semiconductors uh, that many countries rely on for their uh, vanguard technologies, but how Taiwan manages its democracy, how it manages its bilateral relations with China, how it manages um, its future is in the interests of, I think, countries in, uh, around the world. And as a result, what we're seeing is countries finding creative ways to engage with their with Taiwan. So a good example of this in the new Canadian Indivisible Strategy, um, Canadians advocate for environmental cooperation and indigenous cooperation between Australia, New Zealand, Taiwan, and Canada. Uh, and we're seeing, of course, um, Japan, the Netherlands, uh, South Korea, and the United States uh, talk about semiconductor cooperation. So I think the broader trend is that we're seeing cooperation with Taiwan um, in the areas of business, trade, economy, dealing with environmental issues, indigenous issues. Moving forward, I assume that we'll have health issues as well to try to build a, a series of multilateral relationships that really um, embed Taiwan in the international community, but uh, in a nuanced way that doesn't bring on uh, more aggression from Beijing. Going back a little bit to politics and also people-to-people -people linkages, we've seen the U.S. LDP delegation recently visited Taiwan, and they met with President Tsai and, the, and different um, political parties here as well. There have been similar meetings between the ruling parties of both countries and also a high-profile visit by former Prime Minister Taro Asol. Um, some have said that the number and frequency is unprecedented. 
Um, this is something you mentioned before, but I would love to hear a little bit more about this from you. I think that the、um, LDP, the Liberal Democratic Party in Japan, is trying to create those strong party-to-party -party relations with the Taiwanese leadership to、uh, communicate their concerns about what's happening in the region, to find、uh, opportunities to、uh, problem-solve within the region, to get a better sense of the direction of Taiwanese politics. Um, in some ways, it mirrors the former party-to-party -party relationships that existed between the LDP and the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, in that they use these informal pipelines for problem-solving with the Chinese relationship. Now, what we've seen in the China context is that the party-to-party -party relationships have really deteriorated tremendously, and this has resulted in many communication challenges and more challenges in terms of dealing with the bilateral relationships between Beijing and Tokyo. Um, but with regards to Taiwan and and in Japan, again the LDP sees the importance of having party-to-party -party communications. It kind of bypasses the uh, uh, concerns about state-to-state -state relations because it's party-to-party. -party. And again, they want to build these strong、uh, lines of communication, shared understandings of the region, focus on peace and stability across the Taiwan Straits to really、um, ensure that Taiwan continues to maintain. Um, its democratic system,、uh, its freedom of press, its civil society, and you know, I guess what the Japanese are thinking is that they want to prevent another Hong Kong from occurring, where the national security、um, strategy or national security、uh, law that was adopted、uh, in June 2020 decimated civil society, decimated freedom of press, and decimated the voices of, of、uh, Hong Kong citizens. They want to avoid that, and I think their、uh, preferred approach is to really strengthen communication, strengthen people-to-people -people relations, strengthen party-to-party -party relations, so that they can ensure that doesn't happen. Japan still significantly trades with China, and those in the government, as you mentioned earlier, are treading a thin line of what they perceive as not crossing Beijing's red line. Are party-to-party -party talks, aside from talks, what substantial support do you see for Taiwan? What we're seeing is that. Um, Japan, working with other like-minded countries, are really using their diplomatic、um, uh, power and voice to really raise the profile of Taiwan, raise the stakes. What happens to Taiwan matters not only to the region but to the world. Such as with the WTO and all that, yeah. The WTO, but also、uh, World Health Organization. Yeah, World Health Organization, but、um, its place in the、um, semiconductor supply chain, its place within. Um, a family of democratic political、um, institutions within the region,、um, you know its role in in terms of fighting disinformation from China, its role in terms of uh, fighting um, propaganda. There's a real strong sense that Taiwan needs to be pulled into、um, into global prominence, so there is a much better understanding、uh, of the importance that Taiwan really.、Um, Holds、uh, for a democracy, for pushing it back against authoritarianism, for、um, our uh, technological uh, supply chains, and again, we're seeing this in, in unilateral statements, bilateral statements, multilateral statements,、um, and I think that this is really, really a positive step for、uh, Taiwan. What it means is again, the status quo is preserved, and I think for ordinary Taiwanese people. What's most important is that they maintain their current life, 
their current political system, the current uh, freedom of press, the current ability to have free civil society. This is a de facto uh, sovereignty or de facto independence um, that uh, needs to be preserved. We've also seen earlier this year a trial ferry sale between Ilan and Yonaguni, um, which is only 110 kilometers apart. What many seem to misunderstand is Taiwan's closest neighbor is China, which is 170 kilometers, where in fact Japan is closer to Taiwan in that sense. What can we read from this geographic significance? Yonaguni Islands, are, um, you can see Taiwan from them. I think this is one of the reasons why Japan is so concerned about what happens to Taiwan, because their territory is so closely located to Taiwan. Um, but I think, again, it, it's it more about the long-term relationship that Japan has had with um, uh, the beautiful island, Formosa, Taiwan. Um, and of course, they had this colonial history, but colonial history and its post-World War II history and the relationship that Japan and Taiwan has built together over the past um, 70 or 80 years is one of friendship, one of trade, one of uh, a shared culture, one of mutual admiration, uh, one that's built on um, shared understandings of democracy, rule of law, freedom of press, uh, civil society. And you know what it says is that these two societies um, really share a lot in common and that uh, these commonalities bring them together and that um, if something happens to one or the other that um, there's concerns that it could spill over into their states and, and this is where I think um, why the two countries are converged at so many different levels. Um, last but not least, given all these challenges but also there's a boost in support for Taiwan, how do you feel Taiwan should navigate these challenges and as you mentioned making sure that democracy and our way of life here remains the way that it is? I think it's really critical for us to, you know, learn from what's happened to Hong Kong. As I mentioned, you know, freedom of press has been crushed. Civil uh, society has been crushed. Uh, now young people are exposed to nationalist education um, in which that uh, they are taught a, a very different reality than I think much of the world faces. No longer can the Tiananmen Square massacre events be commemorated in Hong Kong. And growingly, uh, voices of dissent are, are quashed through the national security law. We definitely don't want this to happen to Taiwan. We want Taiwan to preserve its system, preserve its autonomy, preserve um, its lifestyle. And the best way to do that, again, is to find ways to um, build non-state relations with countries like Japan, like Canada, the United States, Australia, New Zealand, uh, increase the education exchanges, um, increase the, the business exchanges, uh, increase the um, engagement between labor unions or fishery associations or other organizations to build a whole series of relationships that really tie Taiwan into uh, many countries' uh, interests. And I think that this is the way to move forward. Taiwan's done really well. Thank you so much, Professor. And thank you all for joining us on Global Voices on Taiwan. To ensure you don't miss out exciting insights from this island nation's captivating stories, make sure to subscribe on your preferred podcast or on your preferred podcast and social media platform. Also check our full video out on YouTube. See you soon.